Welcome to Common Thread. We hope you find these lessons helpful, but also we'd like to get to know you. If you go to our website slash newcomer, we'll send you an email, some things to read about the community, and an invitation to a personal chat. If you're here in Raleigh, maybe face-to-face. If not, on Zoom. We hope you will. CommonThreadChurch.org slash newcomer. Okay, here's the lesson. ...that are born of the fruit of the Spirit. We do love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, and in the process are God-ing. I did that in the lesson on purpose. I kind of misused the English language as a way of breaking us out of static patterns in our imagination. When we are loving, when we are kindness-ing, when we are patience-ing, we are God-ing. And in the verbing, in the action-ing, we are more exposed to, more alert to the inner light that we all carry. It's a way to deepen our experience. Well, right after that lesson, Sarah came to talk to me, both about the lesson, but also about the thing that we say uh, each week, if you are here, you belong, because both had uh, deeply impacted her, and she wanted to express her appreciation for the community. I love this place, she said. I can't believe I found my people, she said, because those two principles, God and the doing, and if you're here, you belong, they were organizing principles for her life as well. So she went on saying nice things about our community for quite some time, and at the end I smiled and said, well, here's the thing. Uh, Those words that we say on a regular basis, they are aspirations. They point us to what we want. Uh, They point us to who we want to become. Now, because we've been working hard on those aspirations, we've made some great progress in that direction, but I want to prepare you, since you're kind of new here, those words point to deep human longings deep human purpose and meaning. They're so deep that they're actually pretty hard to live up to. So yes, every one of us is a carrier of the indwelling divine. That is an organizing principle for us. But I told her we're also carriers of fear and anxiety and control and rejection and people pleasing and manipulation. We're also carriers of those. So I affirmed our commitment to our aspirations, but I said, we set our sights really high, and these are not things that we make so simply by saying them. These are things that we work out over a long period of time. These are things we help one another work at over a long period of time. And I told her, now you're here, and now it will be us together working at us becoming that. And I said on Monday, she got quiet, a little bit reflective, and then just said very simply, yep, I'm in. That is what I want. Those are my aspirations. This is my community. Let's go to work. And she did. And that's a big reason, the wholeheartedness with which she came to this, that we feel her loss so keenly. So I told that story on Monday. And then during the week, it came back to my mind at least eight times, sprawled out on the couch. (laughs) And I started thinking about the things that we do to move from aspiration to actualized reality in our lives. How do we move from aspiration to reality? That's what I've been thinking about this week. How does that happen? Well, of course, we work the circle. I did have it in there. I could have put it up. (laughs) 
we engage the ancient practices, the communal, the contemplative, the learning, and the serving. But today I want to put a finer point on those practices. What are we after when we take those practices up? What are we after when we take those practices up? Here are the questions that we'll be talking about afterwards, give you some time to be thinking. After some introductory context in the lesson, I'm going to hear you t- I'm, you're going to hear me talk about practical ways that we develop kindness. Uh, so be thinking about you. Be thinking about your life. Be thinking about your schedule. Uh, how could you develop kindness in your life? How could you grow into the aspiration that we have for kindness? So let's be thinking about those questions as we go along. Okay, here's the background part. Actualizing our aspirations, how do you do that? It's an old question. Saints and philosophers have been asking it since human beings started writing things down. What is the good life? How does one live the good life? Plato and Aristotle asked it. The Stoics asked it. Paul of Tarsus, Jesus of Nazareth. What is the good life? What makes a good person? How do we live that life? How do we actualize our aspirations? In the late 90s, a new branch of psychological research began. Instead of focusing on mental illness, uh, researchers began to study healthy people. It became known as positive psychology, research into the foundations of human well-being. The researchers started by studying happiness, what makes people happy and what doesn't make people happy, which is a good place to start because a whole lot of things that our society tells us will make us happy don't. Chasing money, very limited happiness. Good weather, sunny days will give us a happiness blip, but it isn't sustained over time. Uh, Good health, same thing. If we take a hit to our health, after a very very short time, we return to a happiness set point. Fame and recognition, likes on social media, a lot of things that we chase don't make us happy. Things that we picked up from family, that we picked up from friends, that we picked up from the culture around us, nope, they just don't make us happy. Research tells us don't bother. I hope you've run into those ideas. They've been around uh, quite some time now. Uh, If not, here's a good start point. A couple of books by Martin Seligman, uh, Authentic Happiness and Learned Optimism. Turns out what does make people happy, building, working on healthy relationships. Exercising does, meditating does, finding purpose and finding meaning and giving ourselves in service to purpose and meaning. These things do make us happy. So once these researchers began to recognize that happiness as a way of understanding uh, human well-being was limited, Uh, they realize that there are some times that unhappiness is also good for us, also leads to a meaningful life. Sometimes unhappiness leads to creativity, helps us solve intractable problems. Sometimes unhappiness makes us flexible, makes us teachable. Sometimes uh, fear helps us see warning signs that we need to attend to, help us take actions that will head things off. Sometimes anger helps us overcome obstacles. Fear can alert us to threat. Sadness can help us process and heal from our loss. Negative emotion can make us more empathetic toward other people. So, 
given that happiness is a limited proxy for studying well-being, how to broaden the inquiry. And so these researchers hit on a very old new word. The word is eudaimonia. It's old like Aristotle old, and it's new like double-blind studies kind of new. It's a Greek word, the etymological origins somewhere in the field of dispensing goodness, dispensing goodness. So it's a way of broadening the concept of human well-being to include goodness that we can experience when we're not happy. And it turns out what the researchers uh, have been discovering is that the eudaimonia life is not that different from the spiritual life that has long been prescribed by the saints and sages who've gone before us. Uh, here are some of the main drivers of human well-being. Self-awareness and the ongoing process of self-discovery. A growth, fulfilling one's potential uh, and a sense of purpose, giving ourselves to something bigger than ourselves. And not just giving a little bit, giving a significant amount of effort and a significant amount of intensity to a bigger purpose. Self-awareness, ongoing growth, passionate investment in something bigger than ourselves. Now, our community, organized as we are around working the circle, we're familiar with this territory, and so we know that sometimes those things that we do do not make us feel happy. <laughs> Self-awareness, for example. Sometimes we become aware of stuff, and when we do, it can make us sad. It can make us embarrassed. I often see things inside of myself and cringe that that's in there inside me. Sometimes we can become self-aware and that self-awareness evokes regret or a sense of loss. Also, significant effort given to something bigger than ourselves is often just difficult. It taxes us, it's demanding. Growth is change and change is painful. But like the spiritual tradition long before, positive psychology with all the double blind research to back it up tells us, yep, eudaimonia is the life that you really want. You don't really want a life that is only happy. You don't really want a life that is only easy, only pain free. You want something more. You want meaning and you want purpose, and you want to be part of something that is bigger than happy. So in that conversation, I was telling Sarah what we aspire to be, and I said we won't become it without working at it, without working at it together. We often in our community use the term cultivate. We cultivate the soil in our souls. We cultivate our relationships with one another. We culti cultivate healthy relationships within our family, in our friendship networks. We cultivate our abilities to be able to serve something bigger than ourselves. And in the cultivating, we grow into. Now, in our spiritual tradition and the Buddhist tradition as well, four things stand out that if we will cultivate, if we will help these four things grow, 
the likelihood of a life of eudaimonia expands dramatically. It happens when we cultivate, sorry, missed a slide, kindness, compassion, gratitude, and inner peace. Kindness, compassion, gratitude, and inner peace. Jesus, when he realized that the religious institution was going to kill him, cut to the chase with his followers. You can read about this in John 13 if you'd like. He said to them, you know the commandments, you know the ones that they get so worked up about. He'd said in another place that they are so careful about tithing down to their spices. They make sure that they give 10% of even their grains of spice. The rules and the rituals, the duties and obligations that they get so wrapped around the axle concerned about. Yeah, that whole construct, it kind of misses the point. Here's the point, he said. If you want to access the divine, love each other. If you want to access the divine, love each other. You've seen how I've been loving you, love each other. In another place, he expanded the idea and he said, love each other, yes, and love your neighbors, yes, and love even those who don't like you. That's how Jesus outlined it. Interestingly, that's also how the Buddhists have outlined it. Love is not limited to an emotion that we feel. It's a deep, deep part of human experience, but it's a part that we do not access if we don't develop it. And we develop it by engaging practices that help us develop it. And that is work. And that is demanding. And that is not easy. And it doesn't always make us happy. But love is the foundation of the eudaimonia life that we want. And it turns out that when we develop kindness and compassion and gratitude and inner peace, we emerge into that life we want. Love emerges in us. Eudaimonia emerges in us. Well-being and fulfillment. So this is the first Sunday of Advent. Given what we've been through, who knows if we will decorate this year. Uh, who knows where the candles even are. But <clears throat> we can celebrate the purpose of Advent. In our tradition's history, celebrating Advent is distinctly different from celebrating Christmas. Turns out that the Feast of Christmas in the old use of the calendar didn't begin until Christmas morning. It lasted after Christmas morning all the way to Epiphany, sometime in early January, that's where we get the 12 days of Christmas. Well, during those 12 days, that's when we did our feasting. That's when we did our visiting of people. That's when we brought gifts to one another. Advent, on the other hand, was the quiet time for four weeks leading up to the party, a time for reflection in preparation for celebration, a time for introspection before we gathered together to feast. Now, we don't organize our calendar that way anymore, but it's not a bad idea each year to set aside some time as we light the Advent candles to give focus and attention to quietness, to reflection, to introspection. And I'm suggesting this year that this first week of Advent, we focus on kindness. And not just a hope and a promise 
focus on kindness, but focusing on the things that human beings do that develop within us the capacity for kindness. Like developing a muscle, developing these four foundations for eudaimonia start awkwardly because it feels unfamiliar, because this isn't the stuff that we do on a day after day after day basis. Consequently, there is built into our brains an unconscious resistance to doing things because we tend not to do things that we have not done. And so doing new things is part of the process of reconfiguring who we are, reconfiguring our minds. And that's why times like Advent, also a time like Lent, we intentionally do things that we don't typically do. You'll remember at Lent, you usually go without some kind of a thing to heighten your awareness or, and during Advent, you give special focus to a certain thing. Well, a good thing to do when we start off on this, and you've heard this a gazillion times, is do something that is here now, small, doable to start with something that is here now small doable that will help us develop our capacity for kindness. So here are some practical ideas for this Advent. First, <clears throat> the key to developing any trait, kindness included, but any trait, the key is deciding in advance. Deciding in advance. We determine before the opportunity arises that when the opportunity does arise, we are going to do the thing. In this instance, the kind thing. So we set a reminder to keep in our minds. Sometimes you can use your phone. Sometimes you use a sticky note. Sometimes you have a place that you go when you walk by that thing. You've got a reminder set to remember you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to be holding the door open for everyone. Or you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to be asking the clerk every time how their day is going. Uh, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to be smiling at that curmudgeon coworker uh, every time. I'm just going to, um, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to say the words. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do the thing. We set a reminder in advance to be watchful for a time that we can listen to someone. Be watchful for a time that we can help someone. Expecting nothing in return. We set a time on our calendar in advance when we're going to scroll through our contacts and look for someone that we could encourage. We set a reminder that we're going to give someone an authentic compliment when the situation uh, presents itself to give an authentic compliment. Advanced planning is key to developing any trait. We make a plan, we set a reminder, and then we do the thing. And the doing of the thing begins to rewire our minds. So we plan in advance to bring a meal to someone. We plan in advance to take donuts for the co-workers. We plan in advance that we're going to say something affirming about a person when other people are gossiping about that person. We plan in advance that we're going to find someone new in town and show them around and help them acclimate. We're going to plan in advance when we're going to write a teacher and thank them for working very hard for very little, or compliment someone to their boss, or give away some good stuff on Craigslist free list, or pick up litter when we see it, or help a single parent bear some of the load. We're going to plan in advance and then set reminders when we're going to do the thing. Key number one to developing the capacity for kindness, plan in advance.
Key number two, write stuff down. There's a study in 2011 in the UK that found if we write down times that we have been deeply connected to other people, times that we've been supported by them, encouraged by them, maybe we've had a meaningful conversation or we've shared a loss together or we've shared a success together, times when we have been comforted in our distress, if we will write down times we have felt very connected, those who will go through that whole exercise and complete it consistently report an increase in their concern for other people, a stronger motivation to act generously. Uh, That impulse can last up to six weeks after doing the exercise, more likely to give money to charity, more likely to help strangers in need. Uh, The researchers posited that maybe what's happening here is by noticing, by keying in and paying attention to how we are supported by others, we reinforce our own sense of belonging. And belonging then, which is a core foundation of human well-being, when our own sense of belonging is strengthened, we are more likely to reach out to include, to care for, and invite into belonging those around us. So we develop kindness. We write stuff down. So make a plan in advance, set some reminders, write stuff down. Do a planned act of kindness and then deepen the development of that capacity by journaling about it or talking to a spiritual friend about it or both journaling about it and then talking to a spiritual friend about it. Do that and we develop an interior capacity for kindness. Do that and we cultivate kindness. We cannot be the people we aspire to be We cannot be the community that we aspire to be unless we work at it together, unless we help one another work at it. So that's my invitation this first week of Advent to focus on developing the capacity, developing the muscle of, developing the strength to be kind. Make a plan, talk about it together, write it down. So... Let's do the exercises this week to help us become more kind and dwelling divine. We are, every one of us, carriers of the inner light. We carry, every one of us, the indwelling spirit, and the fruit of that spirit includes kindness. So may we develop our capacity to draw that kindness forth from our hearts into the world that we help create each day. Amen. Well, if you would, please prepare your offerings. We all give online now. You can go to your phone to do that. The donate button is at the top of our website. Lots of options, lots of ways to give. It's about as easy as it can be. So that's if you're here in Raleigh, but also if you're far away, we invite you to take an ownership uh, stake in the community. I've been saying uh, for the last few weeks, it's going to cost us about $11,000 to upfit our kids' space and our adult space here. I wrote checks this week for $16,000, and that made me a little bit nervous. Now, we'll get some of that money back from Ridge Road. We'll get some of that money back when we sell our stuff, but it did give me pause. (laughs) So 
as I've been saying, it works out to be about $150 per household more than we normally give, but that's not how we do it. Some of us can do more, so others can do less, but if we all take part and if we do this thing together, we've always been able to raise what we need without burdening anyone. And as we say all the time, there is good return when we invest in community. We give our time and our energy and our love and our dollars. The community takes those resources, amplifies them, and gives them back to us in the form of an environment in which we thrive. So again, we all donate on our website, about as easy as it can be. So, <coughs> yeah, that's that. So... <laughs> In a minute, we're going to dismiss the live stream, and here in the room, we're going to do What Are You Thinking? Those of you that are online, we hope you'll join us uh, on Zoom. The link to the Zoom is on the first front page of our website. If you just scroll down, you'll find it, or go to the announcement section. And the password, we're going to tell it to you right now, it is 1417-1417. It's a great way to connect, and it's a great way to start building community, so we hope you'll join us there. As we dismiss them, let's put our hands on our hearts together and let's remember as we go that we are, every one of us, carriers of the indwelling divine. We've got kindness in there as well as love and joy and peace and patience. It's in there because we carry the very breath of God within us. And if you would extend your other hand to our city, let's look for opportunities to share what's already in us with the people that we live and work and go to school with, looking for opportunities to repair and heal our worlds. Amen. God bless you all. You are dismissed. We are We'd love to connect with you in real life. CommonThreadChurch.org slash newcomer. And if you'd like to take an ownership stake in the well-being of the community, we all contribute online. You'll find a donate button at the top of our website. See you next time. We'd love to connect with you in real life. CommonThreadChurch.org slash newcomer. And if you